Fueled by the Outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Brought to you by the Elite Outdoors. Well, one of the biggest things that I learned, especially with like cooking venison, because I don't know how you do your venison, like burgers or anything like that. I very rarely, like when I process my stuff, I don't add extra fat to it. No, like, I don't. Like yeah. I, I, no. I, I will use, um, I'll use butter in a pan mm-hmm. as a fat. I'll use oil. I, I will add beef tallow or something yeah, like that sure. as I'm doing it. But I won't, I won't add it actually into the actual meat. And the one thing that people always say is like, it's just not as juicy. It's like, like, it, of course it, it's not. It, it's not yeah. like, it's like it running wild. Out <laughs> <in the woods. laughs> yeah. There's, there's literally uh, no fat on these things. Right. And like, even, even well, when they're rendered deer fat, it ain't good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not something you want to mix in with, with your meat on a regular basis. So like when I, when I cook a burger, I will put, you know, I will let it sit for a while afterwards just to let everything redistribute. And, you know, like, like you said, you know, add that little bit of butter, like in, in the pan, just to, just to kind of give it just a little bit extra because it lets all the, the, um, the juices redistribute throughout it as well, which is, that's part of being key. wouldn't be terrible either to run that, run some cold butter through the grinder with that meat. Oh man, that's a good idea. That's an amazing idea. Because then you're going to mix it in with it and it's going to, it's going to evaporate. Obviously the water is going to evaporate within the butter, but, and then, uh, you know, obviously we all don't overcook it. No. Because there's no, there's no recovering. Whatever, whatever, whatever lean protein it is, a chicken breast, turkey breast, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. venison, pork loin, when it's over, it's done. For it's her. done. And I will add, I think, so I hear people using the term gamey. And I kind of get that with certain things like with a, a rabbit, squirrel, stuff like that. With deer, I've had deer from all over the place and never experienced gamey. I have experienced tough. But the only thing, uh, and, and I, I guess I should... Uh, Define what I'm talking about here. Please um, do, because because when I when I think of gamey, I think of something different. Because there's um, <clears throat> there, there's actually a distinct line, at least from everything that I've read, listened to, when you're in Europe or something like that. Gamey means something completely different wow. there versus than it means here. And there's a certain sense that people like meat more like that. You know, if if I if I say I'm boar, especially mm. if you order boar over in Europe. They like that, just that strong, that strong taste. Yeah, okay. Europeans typically like yeah. more stronger, yeah. more pungent cheeses, more pungent cheeses, yeah. like that. So, so with what I've experienced with venison, um, I hear people talk about getting gamey, super strong venison. So one thing is trimming it up. Uh, there's a lot of silver stuff. skin. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest. I. I don't trim that off when if if we're talking about the same thing anyways and I think some people might have different definitions mm-hmm. of what silver skin is but that said um I even mixed some of the fat in with the burger but I also don't do burgers I do uh, chili and mm-hmm. stuff like that so um but with the gamey thing I think a lot of that comes from uh people who like a medium well or a well-done steak mm-hmm. or burger. And when you cook venison all the way through, it is 
horrendous. Yeah, yeah sure. it is it's awful. Tough. It is strong. It, that is what I would call a gamey taste. When I cook it and it's pink or red in the middle, it, I don't care if you killed the thing in Alaska or Mexico or wherever. It's pretty. I mean, you're going to get different variations of taste depending on their food, of course. Right. But it's damn delicious. I think mm-hmm. people confuse different with gamey. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Like, pe- cause pe- I agree. People grow up with like. It's no different than people grow up with like a, a McDonald's cheeseburger <laughs> and then have a fresh ground prime beef and have them mm-hmm. like, well, that tastes different. Like, yeah, it tastes better. Yeah. It's higher quality. Yes. But then if you go from a corn-fed steak to a grass-fed steak, mm-hmm. some people are going to say that tastes gamey. Right. Really, it's different. It's I just taste different. more like the beef should taste. Yep. So it's probably that would be my that would be my presumption with people is like maybe it's just different. Absolutely. Well, and then the one, the easiest way to ruin venison is overcooking it. Mm-hmm. And oh, the yeah. easiest way to accomplish that is by pulling it out of your freezer, letting it thaw in the fridge or whatever, and then throwing it right on the grill. If you don't Ugh. get it out a oh, little bit beforehand, man. let that middle get to the, be the same starting temperature as mm-hmm. the outside, you're always yes. going to end up with a super rare inside and a burnt outside trying to get that inside cooked to the whatever, temperature that you Whatever want, it so. is, that's a great point. Like, whatever it is, like, pull pull it out and let it sit on the counter and come up to as close to room temperature as you can. Exactly. It's going to cook more even end to end and it's going to cook, it's going to cook quicker also. Yeah. But it just, yeah. And don't try to cook too thick of a a venison steak because you can't cook it longer on high heat. No. I mean, unless you're going to like do like sous vide or something like that. That would be, that's probably a a great, probably a great way to cook a piece of venison. And think about it like under vacuum. um, Oh man, it's, and why have you done it? Oh, I, I, I have a, I oh, have a nice. CV, yeah. yeah. So it's probably a great way to cook it because you can control, you make sure that the temperature is perfect. Then all you have to do is kiss it in a cast iron pan or on the grill and then let it rest and slice it. It, 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 it It's, I wish I used mine more. I, yeah. I cooked I cooked a, a couple loins the other night for my parents that came over and I'm, I told them like, this is going to be the most tender venison you've ever had in your entire life. Right. And you cook it. Under vacuum, you throw, you throw everything. This is this is a plug for anybody who really wants one. Uh, you know, buy a sous vide machine. Yeah. I love them. Um, you cook it under vacuum, and then you just throw it in the cast iron. Well, you pat it dry first, obviously. Right. Make sure you do that. But then add your stuff into the, the cast iron that you want, and then sear it. And it let it rest. It will be one of the better steaks you've had in quite some time and you don't have to babysit it and you don't have to babysit you set the temperature you put it in there and you do whatever else you got to do get the rest of dinner ready whatever it is go about do your task whatever you want to do exactly you come back and it's perfect end to end and you're not going to waste any of the ends you're not going to have a well done piece on the end and a medium rare piece in the center because even if you let it sit out at room temperature and put it on a grill it's not going to be perfectly Mm -hmm. it's not going to be perfect from end to end but if you sous vide you can get it Pretty damn you close. Get, you get so close. Pretty, so, pretty, pretty damn close. I, I, I've got um, which one is that? the Innova? Yeah, and and like just set it to one thirty-five. Mm-hmm. It it hits that. See, it'll never go above that. It'll never go above that. Even if that. you go do whatever, you're gone for three hours. Yep, it's never going to go above that temperature. Well, and and one of the beauties also, kind of moving into another thing that we were talking about was, um, I will actually use my sous vide machine now to can stuff. Oh, nice. Um, you can set it to 145. I made, I want to say pick, I made a pickled asparagus mm. last year as a Christmas present for a bunch of people in my family. 
as a Bloody Mary starter kit. And you, you get the asparagus, you make your brine, and then you put everything in. You know, after the bath's at 145, you let it sit for two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. And when you're canning stuff or pickling stuff just in general, like you make the brine and then you have to, you know, if you want to hold it for long times, you got to can it. And that's, that's a huge freaking mess. Oh, yeah. Like it, it, it's everywhere all over your, all over your stove. And this is so much, so much easier. But yeah, that's a great, that's a great use for that. Yeah. I, I mean, pickling. Like your your restaurant is called Pickles and mm-hmm. Bones. What what are your suggestions on that kind of stuff? Because this is something that I found a lot of people are getting back into, mm-hmm. and and maybe it's just kind of my small myopic view of stuff. But a lot of people that I know are getting back into canning and pickling and that kind of stuff because yep. you have gardens, you have this kind of stuff, or you'll go to the store and be like, I can, there's you know asparagus on sale for a buck 99 you know a bushel or strawberries dollar quart jam exactly that's what we do i mean that that that, that's something that a lot of people do like what what are some of your thoughts or feelings about that you know just pickling and that kind of stuff or like ideas that you have so like for for our pickles they're they're a fresh pickle because we go through so many of them if we jarred them so a quick pickle it's yeah it's relative i mean we we slice them we salt them Red onions, sweet onions, jalapenos. Oh, that then, sounds wonderful. And then it's like a bread and <laughs> it's delicious. like a bread and butter brine, mm-hmm. uh, but then it also has the jalapenos in it, so it's like okay. spicy. And then into cambros, and then we let them cool down. But we go through them like we go through gallons in a day. Okay. But again, you can order we still, like a Pepsi there. We still and they make give them you pickles. <laughs> yeah, we put them on the side with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like canning at home. Um, uh, my wife just went up and, and just put up a bunch of strawberries. We just got some strawberries from local Food Connection okay. out of Kentucky. And we had strawberry shortcake last week. How did you make it to Kentucky? No, we're open. We're open for business. Oh, okay. So people can come. <laughs> uh, okay. Yes, people, people are allowed to cross the bridge. They shipped it to us. We got it. To, they got it to us. <laughs> I just, I know. Well, one guy for who says, I live across <laughs> like the river. Like we're moving strawberries. Like, like <laughs> moving strawberries like, like heroin. <laughs> Heroin from Kentucky to Ohio, but uh, oh. like I think the bit uh, it sounds weird, but I think that the best way to learn and to do that stuff is like to go to previous generations and learn about it. Because like I don't know shit about doing it. Mm-hmm. I can re- I can I can go on YouTube, and that's fine. And I can read books, and I've bought different books and stuff like that. Um, I personally I don't have any time to do anything like that. If yeah. I had an awesome garden and I had a bunch of stuff. The biggest thing with that is it's no different than anything else. It's like you have to have the best ingredients mm-hmm. at the time. Because I like right now we were getting those strawberries from Kentucky. So you know, Nicole went up to took you know twenty pounds of them up to Wapakoneta, and with her with my mother in law and and father in law they they made a bunch of jam and put it up. So we've got jars of jam in the nice. freezer that we're gonna hopefully start selling here at some point soon. Oh, nice. so that's part of our plan moving forward is to incorporate some of that stuff into our like a small retail case out front with some jams and jellies and like our pimento cheese and stuff like that. I want to talk to you about that here yeah. in a second. <laughs> but just some stuff like cheese. that. Cause I think with all of this crazy shit that's been going on is like, people are also kind of going back to like, Oh, maybe we should continue to support the local businesses. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I can get a jar of jelly from them and it's $2 more, but it's such higher quality. It's way better, fresher. And, yeah. So I think, but but you have to have the best ingredients. If not, 
then you're going to have, again, a year from now when you pull those pickles out, if you don't have good cucumbers when you start. It's going to say like garbage. Yeah. Try whatever it is. Try it. Cut off a slice of cucumber because you will end up with one out of a, out of 24 that maybe don't taste that great. Mm -hmm. Discard it. It's going to make everything else taste bad. Same thing with the strawberries. You want to go through and make sure that they're good. You want to make sure the blueberries are good. If we're getting blueberries from Michigan or whatever it is, like just check this stuff out. But when you got tomatoes coming out, like your options are give them away to everybody, which mm -hmm. we end up doing a lot in the summer because we've got a tomato, I call him our tomato dealer that brings us <laughs> tomatoes all the time. And we end up putting baskets out front because he can produce so many of them. Like mm -hmm. we don't want them to go bad. You can only sure. use. So we do BLTs usually in the summer, mm -hmm. but there's such a small window. Like I don't want to eat a BLT in May. It's garbage. <laughs> you know, it, it's just, it's not right. the same as a BLT in August. No. Like it's just not the same. So July and August. Yeah. It's just the same thing as with when you're putting that stuff up or you're canning, make sure that you have the best stuff. It's in the peak of the season. And I think like, look, look to the past generation. Like, Hey, what did you guys do for, how'd you guys put this? Like, I know my mom knows how mm -hmm. to do it. I know my mom can do it. My mother and father-in-law are amazing. They save seeds. My father-in-law has the best garden I've ever seen in my entire life. Like we, you know, we found this German Johnson tomato that we really liked down at farmer's market in Asheville. The next year, my mother-in-law grew it. And we're like, what, where did that come from? She's like, oh, it saved the seeds. Saved the seeds from the tomato that you gave so us. So it's an heirloom then, yeah. huh? Mm -hmm. I yep. like that. My, uh, yeah, my 88-year-old grandmother taught me how to can. We yeah. put up green beans and right. salsas and all kind. We do a little bit of pickles, but yeah. um, they don't seem to. So if, if they get to a certain point, they don't, the quality isn't there. Yeah. Uh, a couple months down the road is about all we have with that, but. Um, I, I do agree though. Uh, and for those that have not had good, fresh, actual canned jams and jelly, try it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm, night and day. Like one of my Christmas presents last year was the ball. I mean, I guess it's called the ball canning Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, yeah. it's, it's yeah. everything. Like, I, I feel like there's like, I've a got few, it. there's a few books that you need to have like cookbook wise in your kitchen. And, and that's one of them. But yep. one of the things that I grew up with was my mom making strawberry jam every summer. Mm, right. And you know, they've real they've got a really good garden. Now they've got a, they built a greenhouse in their backyard. So they, they built, they built it, I think five, six years ago. And they, are now like producing like two to 300 tomato plants or something like that. Um, That's impressive. Huh? Yeah. So like they, they plant a hundred. Um, my mom makes um, spaghetti sauce, salsa, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. They gave plants to us. They gave plants to my sister-in-law and my brother and all the, all this different kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I don't know anything about this kind of stuff, but the past couple of years I've been like, I want to learn how to do this. So yeah. I asked them like, Hey mom, what do you do? Here you go. Pretty simple. It's, and, and, it's and real it's, simple. It's, it's really not hard. Yeah. Like it, it, it's something, it's just time, which mm -hmm. we talked about before is like, if you want something good, it's going to take time. time. Yeah, and that, that's, that's the biggest aspect of a lot of this kind of stuff with cooking, with canning, with hunting, with fishing, mm -hmm. any of that kind of stuff is time yeah. and it, knowing what your time limits are and where they right. start to begin to expire. Yep. At. I yeah, agree. hundred percent agree. So let's kind of dive into some firewood here. Uh, what woods do you cook with and how in the living hell do you stay stocked with firewood? So we've got a, we got a wood guy. A wood, okay. We've got a wood guy. I that, got a wood guy. Got a wood guy. And he actually sells firewood to other people at whatever. And, uh, 
but he, uh, when we were in the trailer, actually way back in 2015, stopped one time and was like, hey, you guys need wood. And it just happened to work out that awesome dude, and I call him up, and he brings us a dump truck, basically a dump truck full of wood and drops it off out back. Nice. So when we started off, we used maple because it's everywhere. That sure. was That was good. It came out of our backyard. Burns and it was pretty like, hot, yeah. too. It burns thing about that is it burns hot but it burns really quick too. it does it burns yeah. up fast because it, it's light it's um, easier for me to control the temp with maple than oak yeah. so far and right now we use right now we use mostly red oak and white oak okay and it's just kind of a um we kind of transitioned over i mean we still use some maple now and then too um but we just kind of transitioned over to what was more readily available sure. so it's kind of like you know, in in Texas, they use post oak because that's what's down there. Like down south, they use pecan wood because that's what's down there. Yeah. You know, we use red oak and white oak and maple because that's what's here. Okay. That makes sense. So with that said, working with fire, how often do you get burnt and what are some of the things <laughs> that you've had happen? Maybe some different injuries or something along those lines. I'd say most of the time getting burnt comes from working in the kitchen versus working with the smoker. Okay. Um, unless you set a fire in the smoker, that's <laughs> a fire in a spot that you don't want. If fire gets out of the firebox or whatever it is, yeah. like log falls out or you, some people don't clean the, clean the inside of the smoker enough and it ends up catching on fire or something like that. But most of the burns come from being in the kitchen and most of them are preventable and are likely from some stupid action like grabbing a hot pan with your bare hand instead of a rag. So I try to teach the cooks now, like always, like I try to grab everything with a towel, no matter what. Just yeah, that's that a good, yeah. Just assume that in a professional kitchen, especially just assume that it's hot. Yep. And with worst case scenario, it's cold and you use a towel in a cold pan. It's fine. But for the first time you use it, I just did it two weeks ago. I grabbed a pan out of the oven, a pot right down all my hand with, with a handle right out. I was out of the oven. Like, wow, that was a really stupid thing to do. Like, <laughs> I put the I, I tried to smoke some baked beans the first time I did it. Pick the damn pan up bare oh my God. I'm like, oh. Yeah. We have a running joke in my home is like I'll I always like straight out of the oven. Like I'll put something in, you know, I'll touch it, burn my hand. Yeah. Put something in to try to taste it, burn, burn my tongue. tongue. Yeah, then you're yep. done. And you can't then taste anything after that. <laughs> yep. Eighteen hours of smoking, and then you took you, you cut a little bite off the end, you burned your tongue, and you let all the juice out of the of the piece of meat that you just smoked. Yeah. Yeah, it's a professional cooks do stupid shit too. Oh sure, I, I'm sure. It's you, never you, ending. You cut yourself much? Not as much. Uh, m- most of the injury, most of the cuts come with people uh, cutting pickles on mandolin. Oh, Ooh. so mm. I would, Im- I'd advise anybody. Look, in a professional kitchen, if you use one of the um, plastic guards that goes on there, like the safety guards, we're gonna laugh at you. Um, just it's just what happens <laughs> technically we probably shouldn't technically we should probably say try to be safe but like at your house when you're not used to working with that right you're gonna here's what i would say don't buy a mandolin <laughs> it's a death trip. i literally you're put mine in the yourself. basement the other day because you're I, gonna cut yourself and like a couple of a month ago we bought two months ago we brought a new food processor and don't use it very often um it had a blade on it, the stupidest design i've ever seen the blade for slicing you could flip it on both sides, it had a blade on either side. So this side, you put in this side, it sliced quarter inch thick. You flipped it over, it sliced eighth inch thick, eighth inch thick. Uh. So either way, first thing I did is sit on the counter 
and reach down and just put my finger right through uh. the end of the blade about one minute before we're getting ready to open. Like, oh. So it's that's the most of the stuff that happens on doing something stupid. Sure. Like, oh shit, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I shouldn't have grabbed that. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's usually not like the big. I I know a guy. I saw a guy one time drop a aluminum foil off the counter and try to grab it and take aluminum take foil, foil right between his hands. thumb and his forefinger. If it's fallen, don't touch it. Whatever it is, hot, cold, sharp, just try and get out. That's the biggest. Is like if it falls up, just let it go. Because as soon as you try and grab it, there's nothing good that can come from trying to grab a falling knife. That's like one of culinary school 101. One of those, and like it'll still happen. Like now, I say that, and I'll knock a knife, and I'll try to catch it because I'm an idiot. But that's usually like where the where they come, or like or like the the newer guys or newer girls or be they're not used to the heat in general mm-hmm. like you're f- flipping a burger uh, a burger bun over and it splashes the lard and it gets on your arm like to me i did not re- just you just get used to it it's no different than working in a hot kitchen like you're right. used to the temperature a normal person comes in and like holy shit it's hot back here like yeah i, I guess i mean it just seems like that's the way that it is sure mm-hmm. it's always been since i was 15 years old like you get used to it but a lot of that kind of stuff is just like more experience in your body, I think, more more or less getting used to condition to like, yeah, I'm gonna be hot all the time. Yeah, I'm gonna splash grease on my hand. Like, it, you just kind of get used to that sure. stuff. But when you're just starting out, and that happens, like, it, it's like something that's never happened to you. But grabbing a a 350 degree pan with your bare hand, Ugh. if that's never happened to you before, it's, it fucking hurts. Oh, it yeah. does. It, it, it really sucks. <laughs> and you sometimes you can lose sight of that as like. An old, I would say, like I got skin like a rhino. Like, I like nick my finger and then it's healed the next day. Like heal like Wolverine. Like no big deal, it's fine. <laughs> um, but you know, y- younger people I know, like just be careful, man. Sure. It's hot. There's hot stuff. There's sharp stuff. Like, but that's also the cool part. Yeah, everybody yeah. likes playing with knives. Oh yeah, everyone likes playing with fire. And it's that's funny. Why a lot of people draw people into being cooks. You yeah. you bring that up, and uh, one of the things that my buddy Will always tells me. Um, when it comes to hunting and fishing and you know, the people that are way, way down the rabbit hole, yeah. the people that love it a lot and want to be really successful, get comfortable with being uncomfortable yep. and dealing with trials and tribulations, the elements, you name it. And, uh, it's funny you bring that up because you have so many stupid things that you do as a hunter, as a fisherman, you know. How many times have you guys removed hooks oh my God. from each other, which is like terrible, terrible pain. Um, We've done it enough to where we now have a piece of fishing line in our wallets to where you just like, okay, loop it over your finger and look, look the other way and one, two, whack, yep. pull it out before Light anybody even says anything. Pull on two yeah. so he doesn't know, but <laughs> yeah, um, you know, so many things, <clears throat> excuse me, happen uh, in the woods and 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 all that um we had god we had one of our team members um he was climbing when we were hunting public land and i don't know if you've ever seen a climbing stand but there's two parts a bottom platform and a top Mm -hmm. that you sit in you move the top up then you sit on it and then you pull your legs up and then you just shimmy up the tree right well as we are all griping at each other making sure we're all safe somehow just made a stupid mistake and didn't put on a safety harness didn't didn't connect to the tree mm-hmm. oh i got you just the bottom just 
dropped out and he falls. I think he said he fell like 10 feet or something like that. Now, the way he fell, if it had been myself, this guy's in really amazing shape, especially for a gentleman that's, I think he's 43. Yeah. Um, he fell like, let's just pretend his left leg kind of like went over the edge and he kind of went like that and then was able to pull himself up in a sit-up position, which I, I would never, I would still be hanging there, you know? And so, and, and he's just got some bruising, but uh, just so many stupid things that happen. And, um, you know, it's just kind of funny to hear another uh, person talk. You know, you're a professional. I guess I don't really consider myself that. But, um, you know, you spend a lot of time doing stuff like that. And there's a lot of parts to that that are not as appealing. Right. When you talk about, <laughs> but but when you talk about it, like it's gonna happen. Yep. Oh, yeah. Like like the, the these these are normal things yeah. that happen on the job. And one of the things like I look to this, my kid grabbed a curling iron. Awesome. Mm. Like <laughs> right at the start of like the wonderful quarantine two months ago, Crazy. and we like he's just like, yep, it's burned, and right. and and like you like. I think that that's kind of the point that you get to if you work a lot in a kitchen or if you do that kind of stuff. I worked in a steakhouse for two years and it was, oh, don't have hair on my arm right. now because I, you know, had a grease fire. Or Day one of like smoking that. for me. <laughs> I watched a how to video from one of Aaron Franklin's yeah. when I was going to do the brisket for the first time. Right. And, uh, you know, he's going through step by step how to trim it, how to season it, and get it on the smoker, build the fire. And at the end, he reaches in and just pulls it off with his bare hands. With his bare hands. Oh. And then I'm looking at him like, what just yeah. happened? And I'm like, shouldn't that be like 200 degrees? Oh, yeah. And then it is. He, he, yeah, he throws out the disclaimer like, yeah, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> right. But I don't have any feeling in right. my fingers anymore from well, it's doing like this. It's like when so you go to the long, Mexican so. restaurant and they walk up holding the plate. Yeah. And what do they say? This is a hot plate. Yeah. And you're like, well, it can't be that hot. And then, and then you of touch course, it. And you, you touch it. it and your fingers is like, touch that bitch. Hot. <laughs> and, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, it, it is, is very hot. hot. Right. Uh-oh. Don't worry about it. Chris just hit his mic. All right. There we go. Sorry about that, everybody. All right. So, yeah, I mean, kitchen injuries are, you know, part part of the deal. And and if you and if you don't think they're part of the deal, you know, I I don't don't know what you're kind of trying to get into. So we've covered we covered a lot, but um, expansion stuff. You know, we we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um. When are you, you going to get the dining room? Right. <laughs> get that out of the way. The, the question always. Um, so I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, I think for us, as far as there ever being another Pickles and Bones, that's a definite, definite no. Um, we're not going to franchise. We're not going to turn into um, have 20 Pickles and Bones around the country uh, or around the city or anything else. Mm-hmm. Not that there's mm-hmm. anything wrong with that, but we're just happy doing what we do. And what we do is – it's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of attention to detail that goes into it and it's hard to replicate. And, um, we're happy doing that. We want to expand. We want to do other restaurants. Um, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the biscuit pop-up. Mm-hmm. Um, we would definitely like the biscuit pop-up to turn into, um, something more permanent in some capacity. Um, I like what I'm hearing. Yeah. Whether it's a pickles and bones or whether it's another place, you know, we talked about, 
expanding into a dining room next door. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that could still be on the table, but for right now, doesn't really seem like the great time yeah. to, for for restaurants to be adding dining room <laughs> you, space. You, you have to be in. So, I mean, you're you're one of the few restaurants uh, where you know you di- you didn't have that issue, man. Yeah. I'm I'm so happy about yeah. that because that that has wrecked people. And yeah. no, I just thought, well, shit, it's business as usual for him. Yeah, for us, you know, for anybody that that's never been, you know, we're carry out only, carry out and catering only. So. And we don't always ever have them. We've never had any indoor seating. We have three picnic tables outside that are appropriately distanced apart. For Good anyone deal. Listening, <laughs> any, there's any undercover agents listening to this podcast. Um, but when you have three picnic tables outside, we've always had pic- picnic tables. That was it. We've, and we were lucky enough to be kind of set up for this. Um, and, I, and I'll be honest, in the beginning with this, this, uh, the the quarantine whatever i had a bit of uh survivor's guilt that that we were doing okay and i know that there's restaurant tours around the country and restaurants that are going out of business and we talked earlier like it's going to be even worse mm-hmm. we're just scratching mm-hmm. the surface on what's ultimately going to come and that is terrible it's terrible man like it's not i'm not i'm happy to be busy i'm happy to be doing the business has, has stayed right we've never, we haven't had we've actually hired somebody since then, um, you know, and we're still always looking for good people, but I see people across the country that have devoted their life to building businesses, not just restaurants, all mm-hmm. different kinds of businesses. Mm-hmm. And I know we all know that they're inevitably going to go away and it's heartbreaking, man. So, so you, you bring up a good point though about pop-ups mm-hmm. and yeah. I follow a lot of different chefs, yep. a lot of different stuff on social media and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of them do that mm-hmm. where they will do just singular pop-ups. Like it's a weekend or yep. it's a, you know, a month long period. They'll like rent out a, a rent out a space yep. and like that will be it. Like what's from, from a culinary perspective, you know, tell me kind of a little bit more about like the pop-up idea and, and that kind of stuff. Because for one, to me, it, it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like you're getting something so good in a short period of time, and then it's like people go crazy for the McRib, and yeah. then like, right. it's it's gone. Yeah. Um, but like, there's so many cool things that chefs come up with in those short little areas of time that are so so good. So I'd I'd love to hear more about the biscuit pop up, especially. I mean, yeah, I think for pop ups, you know, it, it it's really a way to test your concept or whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And it's also a way to break uh, the monotony because as fun as it is to smoke meat and make pickles and bones um, as a challenging as it is already to yeah. make it consistent every single day as a chef, it's fun um, to do something different. And for us, we're always, our idea is always like we want to do different concepts, but they're going to be different. So mm-hmm. whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's going to be, and it may have our, the pickles and bones kind of stamped to it with, the brisket maybe be involved or we'll make our own bacon that'll go with it. Um, but we're going to make it all of ourselves, and whatever we want to do, we just want it to be the best version of whatever it is. So when we think that we're at a point where we're making the best biscuit that we can make, then we, then we roll it out for a pop-up and try it and see what people think. And I think chefs, maybe that's their philosophy. Mm -hmm. Maybe some other people are just like, Hey, we're just going to throw some shit out there and see what sticks. Like, let's give it a shot. And I think either way is cool. Like, Cause you can, you can get 
ultimately end up until you put food out there for a customer to try right. and get feedback and see the operations. People oftentimes they diagram it up. Here's how we're going to do it on Sunday morning. And it's the whole Mike Tyson thing. Like everybody's got a so plan to get, get punched, punched in the, in the mouth. face. Yeah. <laughs> it's the truth. Cause it you is. can have the perfect plan. And then the door opens the first, we were talking earlier, the door opened at nine o'clock <laughs> and there's 20 people in line. The first person orders 10 biscuits and we had 20 ready total. I was like, wow, we're in, we're, we're in deep right now already, <laughs> but you don't know. Right. You don't know. It's much easier to, I would rather do, we would rather do that and figure it out than to sit around and be like, well, we should have done that. Mm-hmm. 20 years ago we should have tried it see what happened same thing that happened with the trailer we were like let's try it eventually we're going to do our own thing let's try it what's the worst that can happen i stay at my job i go back and get a job being a chef like what's the worst thing that can happen for, for pop-ups if you've already got a place um you've already got that some sense of a safety net of like you have a business already you're trying something new if you don't and it's a great play way for a young for a young chef who's got an idea mm-hmm Maybe they come into a place like Pickles and Bones and say, hey, they're taking over Sunday, Monday night this week and doing a little pop-up to see what people think about their idea. The restaurant industry is extremely costly to get into. Yeah. Such high overhead and such small margins that it we've gotten to a point, maybe not so much in Cincinnati, but which is great, but bigger cities that younger younger chefs can't even get into it. No. It's impossible. They're priced out before they even get a chance. And – the one positive we think that will come from some of this negative within this quarantine where we have restaurants that are going to fail. And there's going to be restaurants that fail that none of us want to see fail. Right. There's going to be restaurants fail that have been on the brink of failing for a long time. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to hopefully reset some of this and it's going to give some younger people an opportunity to come in and rent some of these places and bring something new that's even better. Mm-hmm. That doesn't. I'm not saying I'm not being negative and saying I'm I don't want anybody to fail, but it's it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. But it's I think it's, I think it's going to be a reset too because I think that as an industry, and nobody wants to say this, and I think it's ridiculous, but we've gotten fat and happy, and there's a lot of mediocre stuff out there because people Agreed. are like, people are like, oh well, everybody's going out and everybody's trying this, and I I get most frustrated when we go out and. I taste and see a lack of effort mm-hmm. there. If there's so many options out there, why is everybody not striving to be better? Right. And I hope that this reset is going to make people, I'm not saying work. I'm not saying everybody's got to work 24 hours a day. That's not what I'm saying, but everybody can do a little bit better job. I think. Well, I, I and you and I've talked about this, Chris, like that, that that's a huge thing. Like you, you put in the effort, you're going to do better mm-hmm. and like just be better at what your particular thing be, is. I don't understand why anybody would want to get up to be mediocre. It, it, no it, exactly. Why would you get up in the morning to go and accomplish me- mediocrity? Like you want to go in and you want to say like this, this is the best thing that I can put out. This is there. the best we can do. This is the best we can do. And this is all that, you know, I'm putting my effort into, you know, th- there's, there's plenty of restaurants, you know, here and elsewhere that you can go to. And like they're good, they're good restaurants. Like, don't get me wrong. If I go somewhere and I ask a local, or if I ask somebody, like, give give me the best place, and they're going to give you a place that is not, you know, a chain. They're going to give yeah. you a place that's Hold not like multiple places. They're gonna they're gonna say like, go here. You know, make sure you're there early because right. when the food's <laughs> out, the food's <laughs> out. out. That's it, yeah. Um. 
or you know they make they you know if you go to you know Italian or Chinese they hand make all the noodles right. or or anything along those lines you know it, it's it's one of those things that you want to strive for quality because a, a, as much as we are creatures of habit we all really like great great things absolutely and i i also want to spin off what he said talking about people being afraid to say things um don't be afraid to call people out on their quality uh i'm not going to mention the name of this restaurant they're not open anymore they're not open anymore somebody was right um i hope aaron listens to this so um (laughs) just for a laugh but um uh, I'll talk about the place with you after we we go off air or whatever. Stop recording. Um, but I, I went there and this was such a highly touted restaurant. And the owner talked about how great it it was at our table and the waitress and they've got best dish of Cincinnati or something. And I'm like, well, damn, this is going to change my life. I was so I've never been pissed off. At a restaurant, other than like if somebody like I had a uh, a lady spill spaghetti sauce, she dropped a spoon on me mm-hmm. and just got spaghetti all over my new shirt, and I'm like, well, that sucks. And she right. didn't she like she didn't even apologize or anything. That was mm-hmm. the crappy part. Mistakes are made. I get that. So, but uh, I I don't ever remember being pissed about leaving a restaurant that wasn't like a steak and shake at two a.m. Um, until then, and I, I was just like heartbroken that that could even happen at a nicer place so uh, i think holding people accountable is is kind of important too uh being in the um you know the time that that we're in you know and 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 it is kind of cool to hear you talk about that how there could be some new and interesting things that that come along that we might not even know about yet so kind of neat exactly exactly So, so let's talk um Let's talk a little bit. Uh, everybody obviously knows that we're in this weird time. We had this COVID stuff, and you know everybody has their stance on this quarantine and the mask wearing and the COVID and you know all that. And you know, just to preface this, everybody, calm down. Um, but I want to ask Josh when when you guys are putting these masks on. Um, can, can you explain why you're wearing that mask? Cause I think I, I see a lot of people that are sort of shaming people that wear masks in the businesses, people that are wearing masks in stores and all that. And, uh, I just, I want a restaurant owner's take on this whole mask thing and re- really the situation in general, if you don't mind. Yeah. I mean, for us, obviously, um, we've been lucky to be able to be set up to handle it. Um, I think that the whole thing has been quite confusing on how information yeah. has been, has been relayed to us as business owners. Sure. And most recently, um, within the last few weeks, we've just got some more, what I would consider more concrete direction. And that's like direction as far as like, look, if you need to wear masks, um, the health it's mandated the health inspector will be looking they're talking now about undercover people going out and checking on places having masks on um 
Now, that being said, with if you've got individual workstations that are so far apart, people can't have, you know, people don't wear masks, but the expectation is if people are working right next to each other, obviously anybody working with guests um, out in the front have masks on. I can tell you that wearing a mask in a kitchen when it's already 100 degrees is an uncomfortable um, situation. There's not... And it's not even just a mask. It's just kind of like have a face covering. So it could be a bandana. It could be a mask. It could be uh, all I can speak on really about this is that I promise you, if you go to quality restaurants that you, the the people care, they are cleaner than any place that you've ever been. Agreed. Mm -hmm. We put more time and effort in and always have in anyone that cares, especially a small business owner who knows how, all it takes is for one person to have a bad experience, whether mm-hmm. that's a bad experience from a cleanliness and sanitation or a bad meal. We pay attention to everything. We, we clean everything. We sanitize everything. If you go to a re- I can I, one, one telltale sign I can always recommend is if you go to a restaurant, go pop in the bathroom and take a look. Yep. If the bathroom's not clean, I would advise you should probably let because that just means to me that there's a lack of attention to detail. Now, if there's a couple of paper towels sitting on the counter, that's one thing. But if it's apparent that the bathroom hasn't been clean and isn't getting cleaned regularly, mm-hmm. guess what? New COVID-19 guidelines aren't going to change any of that stuff. So if you felt sketched out before about a place that you were going <laughs> and you were like, eh, I'm not really sure. Um, but I can promise you that any of your places, you know, um, Paul and I from the governor, we had this conversation recently. Like we, we take such great attention to detail for everything. All we want is everybody to be safe, man. Sure. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we preach and have been from the beginning. You cough in your elbow. That's something you learn when you work in a kitchen from the beginning. Yeah. You wash your hands always. I think that some of the information has been a, very, a big challenge for a business owner to try to navigate. But for us, we do, we, we're following whatever's mandated to us, which is for employees to wear masks. And we wash our hands regularly. We sanitize regularly. The people in the front of the house, if they're not, taking orders, they're sanitizing the door handles, they're cleaning the computer screens off, you know, high touch areas where people are going to go. Sure. But I think everybody that's out there, you know, I, 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 I'm not, all I know about is cooking food. That's it. But I also know how to be a good human being. I know how to be respectful of other people. I know how to be respectful of their space. So I didn't, we didn't cough on anybody before with intention. (laughs) And I know that that's something now that we're, we're focusing on, but like, I think that there's a certain level where we can be adults with each other. We can still function like human beings and be respectful of people that may have underlying issues. Mm-hmm. But as a business owner, we follow what is directed to us to always make sure that we are compliant with whatever new rules and regulations are. There's some new um, safety training that all of our employees have done in videos supplied through serve safe, um, which is a, like a, a organization that does like a, an, an overall, um, sanitation course that, that, um, the person in charge is required to do in all, in all restaurants. So yeah. they, and they provided some new safety stuff and all of our employees have done that. So, um, most recently I think that the health department has done a better job of providing some more concrete direction for everybody to be able to follow. So, okay. Good deal. Good deal. Good answer. <laughs> What else you got, Rick? Um, lean meats. Mm-hmm. I know you mentioned earlier about like threading stuff in, mm-hmm. <clears throat> kind of the French technique of that kind of stuff. 
Is there like if you give like one like key thing, and I have a, I have a second question that I want to ask too. Okay. If you could if you could give one key thing in terms of smoking a lean meat, mm-hmm. what would you what would you kind of impart upon somebody? I would say whatever it is, don't overcook. Don't 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 overcook it. <laughs> don't go high heat. Um, low and slow is better. Go low and slow, definitely for for sure. Just because. I think they're probably stay out of the middle, either go like super hot and fast and get it over with, um, or low and slow, but don't mm-hmm. sit in that, don't sit in that middle range because there's not any fat to render anyway. It's not like cooking a brisket that right. needs a lot of time because you got to render, you got to render all the fat, like on the lean meat, there's nothing there. So either hot, like that's why on a lean meat, I would either grill it hot and fast, or if I was going to smoke, I'd go super low and slow and really just trying to get that getting the smoke flavor and then just don't overcook it, man. Whatever you do at the end of the day, that's the best advice I can give on that. Good deal. And then as far as like, you know, we've talked about your culinary background. We've talked about, you know, working in the fine dining world. We've talked about owning your own business. What if any are kind of the people that you look to in terms of like chefs and that kind of stuff you know, obviously, you know, one of the things that's exploded over the past 15 years is, you know, you have Food Network, you have Cooking Channel, you mm-hmm. have all these different things. You have all these celebrity chefs and that kind of stuff. Is there anyone that you could say to somebody like you'd point to and say, look, you know, we, we've talked about Aaron Franklin, I think, three different times yep. about brisket here. Like I, if someone said, how are you going to cook a brisket? I'm like, go on YouTube and look at Aaron Franklin. Uh-huh. Like, who would you point somebody to in terms of, like, if they don't have that kind of older person that we've talked about, like, with pickling or canning or that kind of stuff to go to? Who's somebody that you would point to and say, go and kind of check out their stuff, and they might have a good idea in terms of how to do some different things? And I realize that when I say that, it's a very loaded question, because if you want French techniques or, you know, certain techniques or whatever, there's lots of different people, but... You know, in terms of your kind of thought process, who would you point someone to? Hmm. If barbecue, I definitely would say Aaron Franklin. Okay. Like the, the videos are, his videos are all awesome. Like there's, I mean, it's a step-by-step. It, the guy is giving out all of his information. Here's mm-hmm. the thing. Aaron Franklin can give you all of his information <laughs> and show you exactly how to do it. You still can't make it like Aaron Franklin. That's exactly. You, know you're you don't have good. the, you don't have the same, but you don't have the same, the variables are different. Right. You don't have the same work. Right. You don't have the same, the same climate. You don't have the same quality beef. You don't have the same smoker. So he can give you all that stuff in his great direction, but it's not, he's not giving you the secret to, you're not going to start your own barbecue business. Uh, tomorrow and take over and be like, well, this is better than Aaron Franklin because the only way you can make it is to screw it up a bunch of times. Right. The only way to figure out how to make a barbecue is to make a bunch of bad barbecue in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's well, I'm on my way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, I always tell people that like, Oh, how did you do this? I'm like, well, we screwed it up a bunch. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, that's what we talked earlier about, like keeping track of what you're doing because you'll never know. Um, as far as just like general general stuff um it's kind of a it's kind of a hard one for me i guess um because i have like people that most of the people that i look toward now and listen to 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 learn more about like food stuff is people outside of food because i kind of have my own 
ideas about this stuff. Right. So you so like for for people in uh, the culinary world, like maybe like we look at like artists or musicians or something like that because kind mm-hmm. of sees like oh that person's kind of reinventing themselves or changing their career a little bit. As far as like a a book or anything, I would recommend to go to like any of the old classics like Joy of Cooking stuff like that is mm-hmm. going to give you like great like foundation recipes like in don't try to overcomplicate it like just make it simple yeah it's better anyway like a great a great chicken a great quality chicken it's roasted with salt and pepper on it and butter under under, under the skin and some lemon squeeze on it you it's hard to beat yeah like parsimony it, just yeah. keep, keep it simple keep it silly. simple and, and yeah. get good ingredients like spend the extra two bucks on the high quality chicken It'll be, it's well worth it. Like yeah. the, the quality, the quality in the beginning makes all the difference. I can't say like, I'd be lying if I said there was like a cookbook or anything that I right. really went to now back when I was younger, it was like the French laundry cookbook. Cause it was like, again, focused on fine dining. I think probably right. people my age and my like worked fine dining and around that kind of time period, probably the French laundry cookbook is the most because it was the first big like coffee table style yeah, book yeah. from a chef that we all knew. And I was like, oh my gosh, is, people are making cookbooks now? <laughs> and then like the pages were just like, it demystified everything that you had heard about. Mm-hmm. This is like, for us, it was like early internet time. You know, that book's probably 18 years I'd old say now. It's close to 20 years old. Yeah. yeah. So if at that point, that probably has influenced more. Now, now probably doesn't really look at that now i now i look at it more just for books just for fun yeah not much for like pulling recipes or anything like that but barbecue you can't go wrong with aaron franklin good deal good deal i think that's the beauty too of cooking is you don't have to follow a recipe to the tea to still get good food if you don't like onions then leave the onions out right you know and you can build upon Another recipe. I've got a great chili recipe that I started. It was like all recipes or something, but yep. then right. I added a little bit more of this and added like doubled the amount of peppers because I like spicy. But right, they're it guy. Was, it's a guy. Yeah, it, yeah. I, like okay, this is going to get me somewhere close. It can help you for sure. And then yeah. now mm-hmm. I built, you know, and like you said, I yep. screwed it. Well, I didn't screw it up. I did it like to the recipe the first time and was like, this is not nearly high right. enough. And then added a little more, right? And, and a little more, and built upon this, and pulled this out, and I didn't have this available. But that's, I think, the cool part about it is you can do whatever you want. Yeah, so. absolutely, man. Agreed. Well, good deal. Anybody got anything else? You you got any questions, Josh? No, I don't think so, man. I just, okay. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. This has been awesome, man. Yeah, I, I, I've I've enjoyed this. I mean, we're you know close to two hours right now. Yeah, but. If you're listening to the end of this right now, this will be part two of the of the, yeah. of the podcast. Right. And this is after sharing chicken wings and talking for about an hour yeah, about right. a bunch of this stuff. We really so. could have done three. Some we great, some great three smoked chicken wings, by the oh, way. Man, they're, they're great. <laughs> Thank you. Chris, Chris is well on his way. They were. They were uh, uh, can we expect any smoked chicken wings ever from maybe a pop-up or something? Pro- something so like we this is, a, this is like one of the questions we get all the time. And so those chicken wings were great. Thank you. Because you smoked them, and then they went in the oven, and they came out, and they were nice and hot. Yeah. But that's the only way that they're good. Agreed. Because when they sit, soon as they cool. So for us, like my favorite way to have smoked chicken wings, my favorite smoked chicken wings are from Home Team Barbecue in Charleston. Love them. And I gotta go to this place. So (laughs) my favorite way to do them, and I think the the best way to do them is smoke them, cool them down, and then you gotta fry them. So we don't have a fryer. I love them. So we don't have a fryer. So... 
Without a fryer, you'll never see any smoke of chicken wings come out of pickles and bones. So when you're talking about frying them, so you're going to smoke them, cool them? Yep. Are you going to coat them in anything before you fry them or just pop them in? No. Nope. Afterwards, the season them when they cut, right when they come out of the fryer. But you're not going to coat them in anything or season no, them when they no go breading the, or nothing? Nope. nope. Season them when they go on oh, the smoker. Dude. Season them when they go on the smoker. When they, let them, when they come off, let them cool. And then just go back in the fryer because you're just going to crisp up this crisp the skin up and then heat them through. And then hit them with some some barbecue seasoning, whatever whatever you like, right when they come out of the fryer. As soon as they come out of the fryer. They got to be seasoned as soon as they come out. Just well, like French fries. They gotta, you got to season them as soon as they come out. Yes. But just like French fries, if I, you came and picked up a dozen chicken wings from me and you drove 25 minutes back to here, they're, they're not, not going to be... It's not going to be what I want you to have. So this kind of ties in. It's the same thing. This if we can't do the best your, version of it, yeah. then we don't want to do it. That kind of reminds me what you're talking about. Yep. With like the, um, no, uh, he made a post a little while talking about like the companies that you get on an app and oh, order food. I, I what have, they call that? We have oh, Uber d- Eats. Uber Eats delivery, and ser- all that. delivery services. Um, yeah. We have another podcast for that. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I, I will say I definitely want to get together again. Oh, um, Absolutely. I, I'd, I'd like to dive into some more in-depth things, especially once I learn a little more sure. and pester you a little bit about it. Um, and uh, I, I would really like it if maybe we could coax you into maybe joining us for some fishing or hunting oh, or yeah, something man. like I that sometimes. So. I've never been and hunting. Then, I've always wanted to go. And, so. and then... We'll we can cook. make that happen. Yeah. We'll cook what we kill, catch, great. whatever. I, I think it'd be great. awesome. So I'd love to do that. Well, Good deal. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah, man. thank we you really guys for having me. It. Appreciate and it. And I'd like to say everybody that's within like a two-hour drive of Cincinnati, get on Facebook, like Pickles and Bones yes. page. They post up usually almost weekly about specials that they'll have oh. until they're sold out. And I think like three of the best sandwiches I've ever had have been like the the – the, the barbecue bin is my favorite sandwich. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is phenomenal. And then the, the Pig Mac is delicious. What was the burger we had? Uh, that it's was, a double, bri- yeah, the double, double brisket. Yeah, double brisket. Yes. Ground brisket. Oh, my God. They, oh, my God. <laughs> they only have these. They're not everyday menu items. So follow. They'll post up when yep. they have them. Usually you got to get there that day. Sometimes they have enough for we've been trying days. to do them. We've been trying to do specials weekly, um, but with – Recently, they've been only going for a couple of days, but we were, but we're starting to kind of get to the, the right sweet spot now. So I would imagine this whole week we'll have, um, well, this is going to air later, I'm sure, but ne- next Monday. Next okay. Monday. Yeah. So you got y'all missed out because this week we're going to be having sm- house made smoked brisket bologna. I, oh say I will not be missing yeah. out. Yes. Um, that that said, just just to kind of give everybody a little uh, information as well, these guys at Pickles and Bones, um, Josh and his wife do a lot of community stuff. They uh, recently, you guys were feeding some of the kids that didn't have meals that were home from school. Yeah, you've worked with Welcome House before of northern kentucky to feed mm. the homeless uh they they do all kinds of charitable things like them on facebook you got instagram oh yeah follow them on instagram and uh go in there and try some food and i can promise y- yeah. you that regardless of who you like or you know who you follow or whatever you go in there and try some food you're gonna go back what are your hours uh tuesday through saturday 11 to 7 or until sold out so 
Uh, typically, brisket's the first thing to go if we sell out. Um, but most of the days we make it till seven. Very rarely do we sell out of everything now that we're inside. And uh, we're at 1149 uh, State Route 131, Milford, Ohio. And our phone number is 513-317-2214, picklesandbones.com. Uh, you can call us ahead of time, place an order, come in and pick it up. You can come in, place the counter, pick it up, or bring it out to your car, uh, whatever works. We do not deliver, and we are not uh, on any of the third-party delivery sites. Um, but give us a call. We'll have your food ready whenever you show up. All right. Sounds good. Thanks cool. again, brother. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. No problem. All right, guys. This has been Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert, and we want to thank you guys for joining us again, and we'll look forward to talking to you all next time. Bye. See you. And that will do it for this episode of Fueled by the Outdoors. You can reach us at theeliteoutdoors1 at gmail.com. That is theeliteoutdoors, the number one, at gmail.com. As always, please subscribe to the podcast. Also, give us a five-star review, like, share on any of the major podcasting platforms. Helps us get out there a little bit more. And as always, uh, happy hunting and tight lines, guys. Bye.